Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, Bob Huggins. And I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Brand Jordan uniforms during my time. All right. This is episode number six. Uh, I apologize for the you know gap between podcasts, but hey, holiday break, you know everyone's busy. Um, I took two trips. My first trip was down to Florida. My family lives in Gainesville, Florida, so I was down there with them. Uh, during my time there, I got to stop by the Florida Gators basketball practice, uh, which I do anytime I'm in Florida. Watch those guys practice, talk to the coaches a little bit. Um, that's always good. It's always cool to see other college teams practice because I go to the Bearcats and um, I like to see the Gators and just to see the different styles and you know um, how good now the Gators players they have some high level players but the Bearcats also have some very high level players but just good to see the, the the contrasting styles now I also went to Arizona I was out in Tucson um, and I went out there because a good friend of mine Danny Peters is an assistant coach for Sean Miller so I went to the Arizona Arizona State game. So that that's always a great time in Tucson. Um, for those that have never been to Tucson, it's an amazing place. It was about seventy degrees, uh, blue skies, sunshine every single day. Uh, and you know, when you come back to Cincinnati, it's it's gray and cold. So I was really enjoying my time in Arizona. Got to go to uh, one of their practices. Got to talk to my main man, Bill Walton. Uh, that's always fun, and for those that you know watch college basketball and he's doing the game, you you just know, you know Bill Walton's off the hook. You don't know what he's gonna say. And this is the second time I met Bill Walton, so I had a good chance to talk to him again. Um, he had a Grateful Dead book bag. Now, I don't know what was in. Well, I take that back. I probably can guess what was in that Grateful Dead book bag, and 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 what you hear on air when he does a game is how he is away from that like that's bill walton in real life 24 7 so very entertaining uh got a chance to talk to sean miller a little bit and talked about his basketball team um also got to watch and talk to uh some of the players for arizona um if you haven't had a chance to watch their guard nico uh redhead kid uh, he's a pro uh, that kid can flat out play. He's he's fun to watch because he really understands the game, um, and he's not he's not, not always looking to score. He facilitates. He scores when he needs to. He can facilitate. Get the get the ball in the right places. Uh, just that that's always fun to watch a guard like that. So um, uh, you know a couple other things too. Uh, Justin Williams that writes uh, for The Athletic, uh, we're going to get him on the show here very soon. And I saw him actually last night at the Bearcat game, and I told him, you know, we want to get him on the show. And we're going to talk about the era of uh, the Jordan uniforms um, at UC. And uh, one thing we'll talk about is uh, I was fortunate enough years ago to, to work with the Jordan company on a shoe called the Air Jordan Ben 5. And Sneaker News, one of the one of the top, I guess, websites and um, places you can go to find out about sneakers for those that are into sneakers. Uh, they had the Ben Five, the shoe that I worked with uh, with Jordan, as the number fifty four uh, greatest shoe of the decade. 
I thought that was really, really cool because they said over a half a million shoes came out this past decade. So Adidas, Under Armour, uh, Nike, Jordan, all the different shoe companies, there were about half a million shoes that came out this past decade. And the shoe that I worked on with Jordan was ranked the number 54 greatest shoe of the decade so i'm very proud of that and i definitely want to get justin williams in to talk a little bit about that jordan era um, another good thing that's happened too is uh, uh the pod the podcast caught the ear of uh, mo egger who is on uh, 1530 espn and mo egger has posted the podcast on his website and also uh, he had me on his show for about an hour segment uh, the other day, and that was really cool. I talked about Bearcat basketball, talked about uh, Chuck Mayshuck, who just passed away a long time, uh, radio color analyst for the Bearcats, uh, former coach, former player for the Bearcats, a beloved Hall of Fame uh, guy. So uh, that was cool to go on Mo's show, and it looks like I'll probably be on there um, maybe every other week or so talking about Bearcat basketball and, and hyping up the podcast. So, hey, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, a couple people that are in the room here. Uh, my guy, Stu, uh, my producer here on the podcast, he coaches at Walnut Hills. And, Stu, I know you don't have a microphone, but just yell it out. What's your team's record right now? What's your team's record? What are you, eight and four? Okay. All right. Is the season going pretty well? It's going decent. Decent. It's not going as well as we want to right now. Okay. All right. But you, but I, and, and listen, I know you and I know your quality of work. Um, I'm sure the kids are learning a lot, regardless of the record, the score on the scoreboard. They're learning a lot. Good. That's what I like to hear. Absolutely. Uh, Another gentleman I have in here, uh, Jonathan. I like to call him Jay. Everybody calls him Jay. He just published his first book. That correct, Jay? Can, can, can you pass that book to me here? If you get a chance to um, pick up this book, and we'll make sure that we, uh, we, we link his book, The Misunderstood Millennial, uh, Never Trade Your Vision for Approval. Uh, Really, really well done, Jay. And I'm looking forward to reading this book. And, and next time I'm going to bring it so you can sign it. And I think this will be – this is a cool book for, you know, anybody but but young people and, and, and people of the millenni millennial uh, era. Middle school and up. Middle school and up, okay. Great, hey, great job on this. Not everybody can walk in the room and say they're a published author, right? Yeah. So that's the first of many books from you, correct? You have two more planned. Wow. Okay. So I have one, and we're, we're, we're even. So you might beat me on a – I might have to come out with a second. We'll, we'll compete. Okay? All right. Good deal. So let me talk a little bit about what you're going to hear on this podcast. We're going to recap the three-game mini-season that I always like to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about the next three games, the next three um, quote-unquote mini-seasons. We're going to talk about the Beast of the Week award that I give out every episode and then also I'm going to uh, segue into a former player interview uh, that we also want to do and, and put out which I think would be really really cool for the fans it, it's going to give the fans a chance to for those that know who this former player is hear some of the great stories and for those that don't know who he is learn more about him so let's recap this three game mini season that's occurred 
Uh, and, and listen, so much has happened since the last podcast, but let's discuss UConn, Tulane, and Tulsa. Now, th- these three games could pretty much sum up the Bearcat season thus far. Very inconsistent. Um, you know, the Bearcats played great versus UConn, and then they had a letdown versus Tulane. And then they come back and have a great game versus Tulsa. And that's kind of how the season's been going. It's very inconsistent, very up and down. You know, one you know, one moment you think this team's turned the corner, and then the next moment you think it's falling apart. So, I mean, it just, okay, rewind the tape real quick. I just thought about this. Rewind the tape. Let's look at, you know, they start the season. They go to Ohio State. Okay, and I thought they played well. So they lose to Ohio State. And then they go on a three-game winning streak, okay? Then they lose to Bowling Green. Then they go on a three-game winning streak. They lose to Xavier and then turn around and lose to Colgate. Beat Tennessee, then lose to Iowa. Beat UConn, then lose to Tulane. Beat Tulsa, now what? Now what's going to happen next? And you can see how I just laid it out kind of the inconsistency of this basketball team. And I'm going to dive in in the podcast on to why I think uh, there's inconsistency with this basketball team and what I see when this team loses. So let's talk about the UConn game. Um, you know, the Bearcats dominated uh, UConn in the first half. Uh, I think it was 35-19 to 19 or something like that. Second half, it was, it was even. It was 32-32. Um, one one great thing I think that we did was we kept our turnovers down. We kept them to around 13. Um, had about 40 rebounds for the game, which is really, really good. I like that. Um, we killed them points in the paint. Uh, the, now, one thing I did notice, UConn had 26 points off the bench to our 15. And I'd, I'd like to see us improve on bench scoring, getting some energy off the bench. Uh, and, and I'm going to dive into that a little bit later uh, when I talk about some of the other games in this three-game series. Um, <clears throat> so watching this UConn game, I know for me, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of fans felt the same way, you're watching this UConn game and you're going, okay, this team is turning the corner. They've arrived. They're starting to figure this out. Then the Tulane game happens. So UC has a seven-point lead going into halftime, and then they give up 44 second-half points. Now, obviously, that's that's unacceptable from, from a team that defensively is a lot better than that. They're a lot better than giving 44 points up to a Tulane team. Uh, now, 17 turnovers. Now, And I've said this before in past podcasts, and, I, and I'm going to say it again and again and again. Coach Huggins had a philosophy. If we keep our turnovers to 10 or below, we win. And anytime I, you know, go on to, you know, whatever team's website, ESPN, and I look at stats from a game, and I see teams that are right at around 10 turnovers or less, they're winning the basketball game. We had 17 turnovers. It's hard to recover from that. Now, also, Tulane, 
shot 27 free throws. They went 24 of 27 from the free throw line. And one thing that one thing that I see, and I was when I was on Moeger's show, I was pointing this out. One thing that happens when you when you get into a crunch time game and adversity sets in. You need leadership. So I just talked to my guy, Stu, my producer, Stu, and he's a coach at Walnut Hills, and he knows this. Uh, Jay, you played the game, and you know this. When you're in the fourth quarter of a high school game, the second half of a college game, and it's a close game, and it's crunch time, you need leadership more than anything. You need that person that's an extension of the coach. Basketball is a game of runs, right? You go on a run. The other team goes on a run. That's just, that's just basketball, right? You need leaders to grab guys by the shirt when the other team is making a run and, and say, look, we, we got to stop this. We got to stop this run. Here's where you need to be. One thing that I see with this Bearcat basketball team is in those situations of adversity – we lack that vocal leadership that we need to get over the hump. I was hoping that Chris McNeil would fill that role because as much as I love Jaron Cumberland, Jaron Cumberland is not a vocal leader. That is not a, a criticism of him because I played with great players that weren't vocal leaders, one of which is Steve Logan, a beloved Bearcat legend. Steve Logan was not the vocal leader. Um, which wasn't the problem. We had other people that would lead vocally. Kenyon Martin, not only was he the best player, he was also a great vocal leader. Kenyon Martin, in games, when, when things got tough, Kenyon would not let us lose. He would not let us lose. And I think this basketball team, I see it. They lack that at times. Um, I pointed out the UNLV game before. UNLV's making a run. We were up. They're making a run. It's an adverse situation. It's getting tough. Timeout's called. Guys are Bearcat guys are walking back to the bench. Everybody with their head down. There's nobody picking up heads. And that needs to that needs to come from the players. Coaches are trying to do that. I see that. They're clapping and they're they're trying to get the guys pumped up. But you've got to have a peer. You've got to have a teammate that has the ability to do that. Like I said before, I was hoping Chris McNeil would be able to do that more. I still think he has the ability to do that. But what happens in you know college basketball or any sport, sometimes in life, when someone loses confidence, that affects leadership. Chris McNeil has lost his confidence in some areas. He's gained some back. The Iowa game, he played very well defensively. He changed the game when we potentially could have gotten run out of the gym. We started to make a run and multiple runs because of Chris McNeil's defense. So he still has confidence, but the level of confidence I think I saw from him against Ohio State early on, I don't see now, and I think that's affected this basketball team. Uh, Trey Scott, um, you know, I'd like to see Trey step up and, and lead more. And I, I do see him trying, um, but there are some challenges with Trey being that leader. Sometimes that guy at the top, you want to be the leader. And when I mean that guy at the top, Chris McNeil's at the top of the play, defensively 
and offensively. He's calling out stuff. That a lot of times is your leader. That's a lot of times who you want as your leader. Now, it was a little different situation when I played with Kenyon Martin. He wasn't at the top, you know, setting up the play. Like Steve Logan would have the ball in his hand. But Kenyon Martin was yelling out what we needed to do. So, listen, and, and, and it's still – the season is still young. And I don't care, you know, what anyone says saying, you know, the season's over, we're not going to the NCAA tournament and blah, blah. That is not true because college basketball is so wild this year. The parity in college basketball. It's almost to the point where any team that's number one is getting knocked off in college basketball. I don't even know who's number one right now. Is it Gonzaga? I think Gonzaga was was ranked number one. See, and Jay's shaking his head. He doesn't know. Stu, do you know who's number one in college basketball? It, it's changed so much. Teams become number one. They get knocked off. Teams are getting knocked off left and right. Early on, UK's losing to Evansville. And, you know, it's just, you know, UNC is struggling. So, I, I think it's such an odd college basketball season. There's, I think there's time for this Bearcat basketball team to still make that run, build their confidence, and get to the NCAA tournament. Um, now, <clears throat> let, me, let me get back to this Tulane game real quick because there's a point that I wanted to, to mention I, I don't want to forget. Having played college basketball, having gone on the road – it is very tough to win basketball games on the road in any sport, especially college basketball. And there are a lot of different reasons. And listen, these guys are still young people. You might look at a Jaron Cumberland and he looks like a grown man. You might look at um, uh, Chris Vaughn. You look at Chris or, or Trey Scott. Uh, one of those guys, and they look like grown men, but the fact is, they're still young people. And you know, you've got to travel from Cincinnati to New Orleans, and and if you've been to New Orleans, you know how festive it is there. Um, and, and and guys can't get caught up in it. And I think coaches do a good job of keeping them away from that and understand this is a business trip. But they're still young people. Um, being on the road, being away from your your normal routine. Um, but listen, good teams are able to focus in and all the distractions, every they're they're able to, you know, focus strictly on winning basketball games. And this team's struggling with that right now. Back to leadership. So but there's nothing like coming home and getting a home-cooked meal. And what I mean by that is coming home and playing Tulsa. One of the best, the most impressive thing, I think, with this Tulsa win was Tulsa scored 22 points in the first half, and they had 22 points in the second half. Uh, And I thought they did a great job defensively the first half. Now, Now, for the casual fan... There are some things I think people missed defensively second half. And that was Tulsa had a lot of open looks. We need to clean that up as a basketball team because they just didn't hit three point. I don't I don't have my the stats pulled up, but they must have been 0 for 17, 0 for 18 from the three-point line. And they shot poorly. I mean, just imagine if they made some of those. Now, I will say this. 
how the game of basketball works. I think those shooters were shook from, I think, the very high-level, deep, the elite defense that the Bearcats played the first half. So they were a little shook the second half, all right? So they were missing shots. So that's uh, some of that is a result of great defense from the Bearcats early on, but we still can't leave shooters open. There were, there were closeouts, and I'm sure Coach Brandon's going to address that, and they're going to watch in video and, and fix that because you, you play some of the more elite teams, and I'm going to talk about, you know, some of the teams we're getting ready to face, Memphis, you, you can't leave those guys, you can't leave those guys open because they're they're gonna knock those down. So um, another great thing I think we did the Tulsa game was we had 49 points in the second half. Uh, I really I really liked it. I saw in the second half of the Tulsa game, you know, we saw a lot of things happen that I think a lot of Bearcat fans, myself included, have been waiting for. And and that is this formula. And, and in my opinion, moving forward, if the Bearcats can maximize this formula that I'm about to discuss, I will bet, I will bet on this basketball team to beat anyone in the country. And that is Javen Cumberland, being confident in knocking down shots. That's one. We saw the Javen that we've really been waiting to see, that we've heard about. Uh, he, he, he was really, really good. Like you could just, I mean, he had that Steph Curry kind of flow to him going. He had that confidence. He didn't even have to have his feet set on some of his shots. They were just going in. If we can consistently see that moving forward, that's going to change how other teams guard the Bearcats. So you get Javen making those shots. We have finally seen the Jaron we've been waiting for. But what's most impressive about what Jaron did against Tulsa was he passed the basketball very well. Now, I've always thought Jaron was an excellent distributor, a, a passer, Um Obviously, people get caught up in, in him scoring and how he scores. But I've always thought he was an elite passer in this Tulsa game. He really showed that. And in the crowd, there was, a, there was a nice crowd there for this game. But the crowd was pretty – I mean, they were pretty chill. They weren't over-enthusiastic, very lethargic, I thought, at times. And sometimes that's a result of how the team plays. You know, the fans, fans feed off how the team's playing. But when Jaron – Jaron changed the game and I think the arena when, you know, he dropped a dime off to Trey Scott for a monster dunk. Then I think maybe it was the next possession, he dropped another dime off to Trey Scott for a floater and the, and the place erupted. And you could you could just see play after play, Jaron starting to get back to that swag he used to have, that that player we've been waiting for. And I think I think there's a couple reasons. I think he's he's healthy. I think he's in better shape, and I think he's starting to gel with the players and the coaches because I don't think he's had a lot of time with these guys, enough time, and things are starting to turn. Now the third piece. So I said Javen making shots, Jaron being Jaron. The third piece is getting that ball. To big Chris down low. 
big if if we consistently feed Chris the ball in the post, good things happen. And he he's so when when Chris catches the ball in the post, he has no problem passing it out. So, gosh, I, I think it was the second half. Uh, someone threw a post pass to Chris. Someone doubled off of him. One of our guys, I think it was Michael, or, or it was either Michael or um, or Javen, had cut to the basket, and Chris did a no look over his head pass uh, to the guy for the layup. And he's a willing passer. He, he It's not like you're throwing it in and you're not going to get it back out. And a lot of times he's so big, teams are double down on him. So if, you, if you're the guy throwing the entry pass to Chris, that guy might double down off of you to Chris. Chris will kick it back out to you. You could, you could take that shot, penetrate to the basket, whatever you need to do. But anytime somebody's doubling – off of their man to go double on to Chris. Somebody's left open. Now, think about if you have Javen throwing that entry pass to Chris. You can't double off of Javen, I tell you that much. You've got Jaron throwing that entry pass to Chris. You can't double off of Jaron. So now there are a lot of matchup problems. And Keith Williams. So this is what we've been waiting for. So those three things, I think if we can consistently do that at a high level, my money's on the Bearcats to to beat whoever they play, whoever whoever's in front of them. Um, also, let me point out, uh, Mamadou. Uh, Mamadou had some great minutes uh, against Tulsa. Uh, and, and the one thing that I think's happening with Mamadou, and I heard in the presser uh, Coach Brandon say this, he said Mamadou's finally learning the plays. And to, to Mamadou's credit, it's a new system. Um, he, he sometimes is forced to play multiple positions, and that's not always easy. If you played the game of basketball and you have to play multiple positions, learn different uh, spots on the floor on where to go and, and, and just the nuances of that, that's not, that's not easy to do. And plus, Mamadou's not – he's not been playing the game of basketball as long as some other guys. So his basketball IQ is still slowly rising. So I, I think Mamadou's playing with a freedom. He's playing more relaxed. So it's just great to see him succeed. He rebounded the ball. He was, he was elite defensively. And he's coming off the bench and giving this team energy that they need. Uh, I think we had 46 rebounds versus Tulsa. That's another thing. That's that's elite right there. Um, once again, things I don't like. Um, Seventeen turnovers. We, we've got to we've got to cut that down. We can't have uh, thirty six turnovers. Uh, points in the paint. It was thirty four to thirty six, um, and and we we won the points in the paint battle. But we should we should definitely kill a team like Tulsa in the paint. We've got to get the ball to Chris a lot more. So. Um, Moving forward, we talked about the the last three games. We're going to talk about the next three game um, mini season that I like to talk about. We've got UCF on the road, Memphis on the road. And I believe did uh, AJ did Memphis get beat tonight? They lost, to Wichita State. lost to Wichita State. Uh, then we're back home for some home cooking versus ECU. So. <laughs> Hey, this team is like you never know. So I have no clue what to expect these next three games. I know what I hope. Um, I hope that, you know, going into UCF, Jaron's back on. Um, and we need all three of those things that I just talked about, clicking. So I'm hoping that 
that happens at a high level versus UCF. We get out of there with a victory. We go into Memphis. Memphis might be struggling a little bit. Their confidence might start to uh, decline a little bit. And hopefully, you know, our confidence is on the rise. So it's that's like a perfect storm for the Bearcats. We're on the rise. Their confidence dropping a little bit. Get those three things, Javen, Jaron, and Chris rocking and rolling. We might be able to sneak out of Memphis with a victory. You never know. And then, uh, and then home versus ECU, which I, I'd be shocked if we if we lost that game. Um, I, listen, I said I'd be shocked if we lost to Colgate, and we did. But um, let's just hope that this Bearcat, and I've said this before, but let's hope this Bearcat team is is finally turning the corner. So, um, and, and another thing I do want to say to Bearcat fans uh, who have been critical of Coach Brandon, um, Coach Brandon, I've been around the game of basketball my whole life. I've played for a lot of different coaches, a lot of coaches with different styles. Obviously, um, Coach Huggins being one of the greatest coaches that I played for and definitely a unique personality. Um, I'm, I'm here to tell you, Coach Brandon knows what he's doing. I mean, he's a, he's a very intelligent guy. He has a great staff. He has a great business plan for this program. Um, I am, and, and, and fans, I'm saying this. I'm excited for this program. Being a former player, being someone that's going to practices, that was went to tons of McCronin practices, Huggins practices, played for Huggins, I'm excited for the brand of basketball that Coach Brandon has in place for this program. Um, just wait. Just wait till he gets the players to fit his system that – he specifically recruits. And, and this is no criticism on any guys that are in the program now. But he had to microwave recruit. He had to recruit very, very quickly. Um, and then just getting guys, you know, Keith, Trey, Jaron, I mean, Mamadou, guys that have played in a different system for so long to get them acclimated. Um, it, it takes longer than you think. It really does. So, have faith in Coach Brandon. Um, ha have faith in the, the process and, and his business plan. So let me give out the Beast of the Week. My Beast of the Week award goes to this is this should this should easily be the case. Jaron Cumberland. Uh, great to see him back on track. Had 22, seven, and eight against Tulsa. So I'm hoping. I mean, I have no problem with giving Jaron the Beast of the Week award every week if he continues to play um, at a high level. I'm hoping that's the case. Um, so a, a couple things I want to say um, before we, we get out of this uh, episode. Uh, Chuck Mayshock, um recently passed away, and, and most Bearcat fans are familiar with Chuck. Um, played, it, played at UC, played for the Bearcats. I, you know, and the funny thing is I am not sure the year. I want to say he played maybe 50, 1956 or during that time period, a long time ago. Uh, then went on to, to, to a long, long coaching um, career. Uh, coached for the Bearcats with Coach Huggins. Uh, coached all around Ohio. Um, then went into the uh, radio booth to be the color analyst for the Bearcats. And um, just legendary. Uh, Chuck was a personality. And I want to say that um, as long as I'm living, there'll never be another personality to step foot 
to uh, on the University of Cincinnati campus to work in any capacity with athletics like uh, Chuck Mayshuck. Um, he lived, breathed uh, UC basketball. I, I just don't know any other way to um, to say it. And, and and another thing with Chuck, he was funny, um, very giving of his time to others, um, and he was just a kind person. Um, and I think. The one thing with collegiate sports, I think you, there, it's just it's one thing to have great personalities around your program, you know. So you look at Xavier, you look at uh, UK, Miami, Oxford, Dayton, all those programs. I'm sure they have personalities that have been around that work in athletics that are involved in athletics that just mean the world to the young people there, to the administration, the staff. Um, and, and that's what really makes these programs go. And, and Chuck made UC basketball go in a lot of ways. And, I mean, no surprise he's a Hall of Famer um, in the UC Hall of Fame. And Chuck was a very good friend. He was very kind to me. And uh, rest in peace, Chuck Mayshuck. Um, now, uh, I, I quickly want to preview uh, something. And that is our former player interview. Um, we The first person we did was uh, Charles Williams. He was the first person we interviewed for our former player interview. Uh, Charles was great. Uh, a lot of great feedback because Charles was kind of like a untold story. And this was really the first time that he told his story. So I was fortunate enough to get him on this platform to tell his story. So um, the next former player uh, that I'm going to interview is uh, Ryan Fletcher who uh, played for the Bearcats from 1995 to 2000. Um, so stay tuned for that. That'll be coming uh, sometime next week. Very excited for Ryan Fletcher's interview because he talks about uh, why he chose UC, um, his relationship with Coach Huggins. You know, they were kind of off and on arguing with each other sometimes during games. It was hilarious at practice. Uh, he was the one that threw the the pass uh, against Duke to beat Duke, the Great Alaska shootout, Fletch to uh, Martin to to Levitt uh, for the dunk for the win. So Fletch threw that pass uh, at UNC Charlotte uh, back in the day. Um, he got he, he got in an altercation with a fan and was throwing a basketball at a fan. It, you just got to hear this story. It's just it's absolutely insane. Uh, he was known for wearing long white socks. So uh, just just some, and he's got a great Chuck Mayshuck story as well. So it's going to be fun to, uh, you know, talk with him and uh, hear some of his stories. So um, I, I just need I need the Bearcat fan base to keep throwing out players you want to hear me interview. And, and Fletch was definitely one of those guys that some people wanted to hear from. Um, because he's not really out there in the public a lot in the public eye, and he doesn't talk and tell his story. So this, once again, is another former player that gets a chance to tell his story that uh, a lot of people haven't heard. So I want to thank everybody for um, listening to this episode. You can reach out to me on social media. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. You can hit me up on uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Uh, hit me up on all the different platforms and um, I, I just appreciate everybody all the support uh, of the podcast a lot of Bearcat fans when I go to games um, say something to me they enjoy listening to the podcast and just getting some unique content um, surrounding uh, Bearcat basketball so I want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of the 
Bearcat Basketball Podcast.